Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. 创造你的生活 Create your life. Create la tua vita. Create your life. On step your life. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is the Create Your Life series. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Sunday. With this is episode number seven of the Create Your Life series, and we have someone very, very special here for you. But we also have a very special message for you. But before we get started, and before I introduce this lovely guest that we have, I definitely want to acknowledge that it is May first, and May is National Foster Care Month. And so, for all of my foster care brothers and sisters out there, I want to say, uh, let's celebrate this month and enjoy your life and create your life. And that's what this、uh, show is here for—is to assist you on your journey. So, be the best that you can be. Now, without further ado, our special guest in the studio, Miss Elaine Fluker. Please say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. Lucky number seven. I didn't know this was episode seven. That's a good thing. Yes, episode number seven. So Elaine, a lot of people don't know this. I mean, and from looking at you, you definitely could not tell this, but you are actually a twenty-year veteran. <laughs>、so、you're gonna start there, okay? Yes, that's true. Ooh, I'm sorry. No, that's true. That's true. I, I'm just saying.、Years. You know, twenty years. I started years. when I was a baby. Yes, you started when you were a baby, <laughs> and now you're, you know, you're twenty. Yes. You. Twenty years in the media business. Can you please tell us some of the places that you work for, some of the people that you've had the opportunity to work with? Yeah. So, like you said, I've been in media twenty years, and I started my career at Essence Magazine, actually. And my first—well, I started as an intern. Okay. But my first full-time job was working with Susan L. Taylor, who's from Harlem. Shout out. Okay.、Um, as her one of her assistants. And、uh, that was the start of my career at Essence, and since then I've worked at Vibe Magazine, I've worked at iVillage.com, Latina.com, BlackEnterprise.com,、uh, Huffington Post, doing some consulting with them. Currently, also, right at Huff Post. Currently at Huffington Post. Okay. Yeah. Now you're telling us what, what these places that you've worked at, but you've got to. Actually, tell us a little bit about the job titles that you've held. I know you; you're very modest, but you have done some some really, and are still currently doing some really big things. Even with Martha Stewart, yes, Martha know,、so. Stewart. Yeah, tell us some of those some of these、uh, positions you've held. Okay, so from at Essence, I started as an intern and rose up there through several positions: editorial assistant, assistant editor, etc. Until I made it to entertainment editor, which was my dream job. Truly, I just loved it. This was back when record companies and such were still. Spending money on sending journalists different places, so I've flown on a private jet to Paris and done all all kinds of just. 
crazy that people wow. don't even do anymore. Okay. So Prime anyway, investor. that was my favorite, uh, one of my favorite positions uh, at Essence. But at iVillage.com, I was editorial director of entertainment and beauty and style. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Enterprise, I was executive editor for the website. Martha Stewart, I was managing director for the website. Um, let's see, where else? Vibe and Vibe Vixen, I was managing editor for both of those simultaneously. So I've had a good, I've had a good run. Well, you're still running. You're still you know, running. You're exactly. definitely still running because I know some of the, the, the ventures and things like that that you have going on now currently. So you're, you're, you're definitely running this marathon. So having this experience, can you take us back to before you even got fully intermediate? Like, tell us your story. Like, where are you, where are you from? How did this okay. come about? Were you always into entertainment and, and journalism? Yeah, well, I am a Long Island girl. I'm from West Hempstead, Long Island. Okay. Uh, Lakeview, to be more specific. And I uh, grew up there, and then in uh, the late 80s, my parents were part of that migration back south. They're originally from Alabama, moved okay. to New York years ago, and then moved back south to uh, Georgia, where they are now. Hopefully, mm-hmm. they're listening. Um, and so they're in Stone Mountain, Georgia. And I, that was my last year of high school, so I moved there with them, obviously, at that time, which was quite a change, but it was fine. I got a car. Everything was fine. And, um, <laughs> got the car. Got, the got car. a car, exactly, last year of high school. So then from there, I went to Hampton um, in Virginia, of course. Okay, Shout HBCU. Shout out to Hampton. That's right, HBCU. Okay. Yes, the real HU. And went to oh. Hampton. And, um, <laughs> and there, I, I went in as a business major, actually. I thought I was, actually, I didn't even think I was going to go into business. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But um, business is what everyone else was doing. So I okay. figured, okay, I'll do that. I'll sign up, you know, major in business. And I hated it. It was horrible for me because I'm not a a person that's into math or I know that sounds silly, but it wasn't my strong suit. Accounting was horrible at that point. Still, I still don't like math, but (laughs) at that that point, um, it just wasn't for me and I didn't know what to do. And I remember speaking to a guidance counselor there at the school who just talked to me about the things that I was really interested in. And one of the things that came up was writing, and writing is something, I mean, my mother still has pieces of paper from when I was, before I even knew how to write, I used to just like the idea of writing. So even scribbling on a piece of paper, the way it felt, I love that. At that time, we had typewriters. Do you guys even know what type, do you know what a typewriter is? Google that. Google a typewriter. <laughs> so we Google had that. typewriters, and I used to just sit and bang number, uh, letters on a typewriter just because I liked the idea of that. So anyway, I never thought that could be a job or a major or career at that time. It never even occurred to me that this thing that I was naturally passionate about, inclined to do, had been doing forever, um, was something that I could major in in college. And then, long story short, I ended up majoring in English. Okay. And the, at the time, the guy was like, you could be, the counselor was like, you could be a teacher, you could be a lawyer. A lot of people major in English and go on to these other things, work in communications or media. I just knew that I had finally found that thing that I was truly interested in. And I majored in English in school. And then from there, I went um, back to Georgia for a year and worked odd jobs, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do, applied to record companies via snail mail. This is how far oh, back that wow. is. Oh, wow. Snail yes, mail. Yes. Can you explain snail mail? Oh, my God. <laughs> Google that. So, no, no. I had sent my resume in, and then I got rejection letters mailed back, which I recently found oh, that is precious. At, my, um, <laughs> at my parents' house. So from LaFace Records, from Atlantic Records, EMI, all these places I had applied to, and they sent me letters back. So even back then, yeah. when you when you first came out of college, you had took this major on. You had switched from business, you yeah. know what everybody else was doing. You took on a major that was really according to what you like to do and your why. 
And immediately after college, while you were working these odd jobs, you were still playing big, going for big jobs like LaFace Records. And yeah, I guess it, so. I never thought of it like that. But I guess I knew that I knew then that I was interested in entertainment. I, another thing that I just enjoyed and something I wanted to do. When I was in Hampton, actually, um, Teddy Riley's company was there. His uh, record company was based in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Life of Riley, it was called. Okay. And a friend of mine, Aaron, and I, and Letitia, I think, all interned there. So wow. I started interning since college, and this is when it was free. There was no get paid, no no rights as an intern. I don't even know. I don't even understand what's intern happening today. Intern for passion? Intern for just you wanted to be there. Right. And you okay. wanted to learn. So I, I started in the record industry entertainment kind of back then. Um, so, yeah, so I applied to places that I just thought would be fun to work. And that's really, and I was in Atlanta, so LaFace obviously was doing huge things then and some other places. But I got rejected from all of those, which okay. is fine. And I, and so after your rejections, you wanted to, didn't you come back to New York or like, tell us about that journey. Yeah. Yeah, That was, I just stayed in Atlanta a year after college. So I've only basically lived there two years. What were some of those odd jobs that you had while there in Atlanta? I'm just curious. Yeah. I'll tell you the one I mainly had. I worked at, um, it was a part of General Electric, but they owned nice um, pension plan, but they owned, um, (laughs) uh, like Exxon and Pizza Hut and all these random, I don't know if they owned it, let me not misstate that. Uh, But working for them, they had these customer service centers where people would call in to order their pizza or call, it was credit cards, that's what it was, I think. Okay. So they would call in and you'd either take the order or enter the credit information or approve uh, things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people would call in and be stuck at the gas station and can't (laughs) use their card and you have to see what the problem is. It was just an odd job. Okay. It was an odd job, but um, but the but odd it was jobs fun. are important, yeah, you know, no, because the important. odd jobs are a part of that journey, right. you know. And I feel like everyone thinks that success just you just get oh, there, no. you just automatically become no. you know big time at, or no. working for consulting for Huffington Post. No, and I mean I temped for a while. I did whatever you know I needed to do after school just to have something while I was applying for these other jobs. So it, it no one jumps right into whatever they want to do. I don't care who who it is, unless you're born into a family that's already doing what you know you want to do which for many of us is rare okay. so there were plenty of odd jobs that I did but that was one of my main ones okay so tell us about this this uh climb back to yeah, New York then I I remember I remember what I said to my parents actually I was like you know I'm going back because New York is home so I said I'm going back home back to New York and I'm going to work someplace like Essence and they were like okay I mean, they're supportive, but, you know, it's, I'm 22. I'm talking about what I'm going to go do and work at this big place. I had no connections there, no anything. Mm-hmm. They were like, all right, yeah, go ahead. You try it. And April, my best friend April, was living in the Bronx at the time. She's from, well, she's from Jamaica, but she lived in the Bronx. She was in the apartment by herself. I told her I'm coming, so I moved to the Bronx, to 19th Street and White Plains Road, and came back. And um, from there, I started interning. That's when I started the internship, but not at Essence. I actually started at this other company called Sportswear International, which is another magazine. I don't think it's around anymore. But a friend of mine, Phil, was working there, and he told me they needed interns, again, for free. You can come and get some experience. So I went there. And um, while I was there, though, I stalked the people at Essence. Mm. You know, I I stalked the HR people. I called. I sent my information. I tried my best to get in there. I tried to do whatever I could. um, And I ended up... My cousin, who has since passed away, he happened to be friend. This is how things work, too. Nothing is a straight trajectory. It's always some other way. Mm-hmm. But if that energy is out there and you're moving forward, trying to make whatever it is happen, it'll come together somehow. You just don't worry about the how. It'll come together. So anyway, my cousin happened to mention that he was out with the brother of this woman who works at Essence. And right away, I was like, at, at, you know, at Essence? 
you got to get me in there. You got to tell. So he got me um, in touch with the woman and she happened to be in HR. And I sent her my information. And I remember later on, she told me she was worried that I was going to be some hood rat because my cousin, you know, you know, he's my cousin. He's, you know, so anyway. So <laughs> he's my cousin. He's my you cousin. Know. He's, you know, whatever. He's, she was a little worried. So, but I went in and I was ready to present. And I remember another thing that I said at that time. I said, I just have to get in the building. Because mm. she told me that they didn't have any. She let me know right away. We don't have any internships. We don't have, but you can come in for an informational. I don't even know if people still do those. So an informational is if you go into an interview and you just, it's like an interview and you talk to the person, but you're really just getting information from them about the company or whatever it is. It's not necessarily to hire you so you just needed just one foot in the door and you knew what time it was and I'm still like that I'm telling you wherever you want to work or whatever you want to do just get in the building and be as impressive as you can be yourself Mm -hmm. but be your most impressive self so I knew I had to show up like this is what I want to do this is what I'm interested in this Mm -hmm. is why I would love to be at Essence and when I started she she ended up finding something for me because she was so impressed with me oh wow yeah so that's that's how I ended up in the building and it actually wasn't for Essence at first at that time they Uh owned a small uh magazine small business magazine Mm -hmm. called Income Opportunities which they own I don't even think it's in print anymore and she said they have an opening for an internship and I and I was like yes before she could even finish because it was on the same floor (laughs) right right. you know right over once I'm in there I know I'm going to be able to get something so I interned there for a while and then one day I met the executive editor of Essence at that time I think it was Linda Villarosa Mm -hmm. and she mentioned, if not then, later, that Susan Taylor was looking for an assistant. And um, Hold on, you got to stop. You got to let people know who Susan Taylor oh is. Oh, my Some goodness. Might not know. You definitely need to Google that. Especially Susan if you want to be in this media yes, business, right? Susan Taylor is, she's a mentor to me personally, but she's also um, a media icon. She's been in the business for many years. She was the editor-in-chief of Essence at that time. Um, She had a column called In the Spirit that was, as it sounds, very motivational column. She's she's a legend, as they say. Mm. Um, Shiro. She she is. She's a shiro. She is a legend. And she speaks around the world, um, empowering women. And she has an organization actually called National uh, Cares Movement. It's a Mm. mentoring organization now is what she focuses on. But um, So at that time, I mean, she was just the one if you wanted to work at Essence and be around. And I mean, I've seen Essence at that time was on my coffee table or my parents' coffee table for years, and I had seen her in the magazine. So to see these people in the flesh, it's a very different world we live in now. Obviously, this all sounds probably ancient, but at that time, it was people were so out of it. It wasn't like I could see her on Instagram and see what she had for dinner last night or where she was. You know, these people were untouchable in my mind. So, But I knew I was going to work there. I knew if I get my foot in the door, I was going to do something hey, there. Clean the bathrooms. That's right. Do something. I need to be in the building. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she was looking for an assistant. And I had to write a letter in her voice, even though I never met her. Wow. That's a tall she, order. Yes. Because she gets tons of, or did at that time, tons of mail from readers, from every snail mail, from readers, <laughs> from, uh, from some of everyone. Hashtag. And she answered, if not all, most of them. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, we would help write it out or et cetera. So I created this letter and I don't even remember what I said, but I did it in what I thought her voice would be based on what I read and that kind of thing. And they loved it. And I got the job. And that was the start of my career in media. That seemed like a long story, but I okay. Think that good. was a, They're smiling, an amazing, so relevant story. <laughs> okay, you know, good. I personally, good. 
I want to go back to before you even got into the building, before okay. you had that, before your cousin gave you that, you know, that, that nudge or that, yeah. I, I guess you could call it a one-up. Sometimes me and my friends, we call it an alley, yeah. you know, an alley-oop. Before he gave you that connection to the lady in HR, how many times did you call them? And how often, how often were you writing? Because I feel like that's part of the process that oh, a lot yeah. of us uh, are missing or mm-hmm. don't understand. I stalked them. I really did. I can't even tell you how many times. I sent letters. There was no email, so it was all letters. Um, I don't know if I called. I may have called the front desk. I didn't know her, the person that I ended up speaking with, Connie Chambers, I believe was her last name, is her last name, but um, and Elaine Williams, who worked in HR. But I, um, yeah, I just really, I stalk them. I don't suggest stalking people, but I do suggest, well, it's persistence, right? It's persistence is what it really comes down to. And not even knowing that someone in my family or, you know, whoever had some sort of loose connection to this person, I still just knew that that's what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be. For me at that time, Essence was the place that I wanted to work. I mean, like I said, when I was in Georgia, when I left home, I told my parents, I'm going to work someplace like Essence. It was a dream. But once I got closer to it, working at Sportswear International, even though that wasn't, you know, really where I wanted to be, I knew it was a start in the industry. And really, it's funny because I still am like that as far as gathering experience under your belt. You know, it might not be exactly what you want to do at the time, but if it's in the arena, in the area of what you want to do or someplace you can gather experience. Or down the hall. Or down the hall, wherever, (laughs) exactly, on the other side, just be close by and, you know, eventually it will come together somehow. Because it sounds like what you're saying is, is you got, you have to get in the game. Right. Right. And of course you're going to have to put some skin in the game and uh, really, really invest in in making that happen. So my next question to you is, you've worked at, at Essence at this point. And so in your next role, you went from intern to entertainment editor, and then you saw a huge digital shift. Right. Right? Later, later after that, but yes. I was at, um, from Essence, I went to Suede Magazine. Time, Inc. and Essence launched this magazine um, for women of color, urban women, mm-hmm. a fashion magazine, a beautiful book. And it only had a few issues. And then after that, it closed. So everybody was, I remember I was on vacation. And they called me like, so come get your stuff. It's over. It's a wrap. It's curtains. Curtains, exactly. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I, but it, it worked out fine for me because I had been there so, so long. But, um, and after that, I went to uh, Vibe. I did some other work in between, actually, in radio, doing some booking for radio. Okay, so you home. I know, exactly. <laughs> I did some bookings for Kiss FM at, at the time um, and uh, some writing for People magazine. And then I heard that Danielle Smith at Vibe was back. She had been there before, and then she came back. Mm-hmm. I think I heard you do this. And uh, she, uh, I see someone that I wanted to work with. Again, I'm just like, I want to work with that person. Or I want to work there. I haven't done that yet. So that's kind of how I target different things that I want to do now. Mm. So she was back at Vibe, and a friend, my friend Ataki, I have really good girlfriends, uh, happened to mention that, oh, I heard Danielle Smith is back at Vibe now. And I was like, is she? Okay, so I sent my information over there, and I ended up getting an, uh, an interview to be the managing editor of, uh, and ended up getting the job as managing editor for Vibe and Vibe Vixen, which she was relaunching at the time. So, um, and it was there, to go back to your question, where I sort of saw, saw digital becoming a bigger part of media. So I worked on the website as well there, but not as much as when I moved to my next job, which was an all-digital position at iVillage.com. And I remember the woman uh, who interviewed me there told me, you know, it's going to be very different than print, obviously. Plus, it was a quote-unquote mainstream outlet. It wasn't, you know, focused on urban or black women, et cetera. It was everyone. 
And she was like, if you're willing to jump in and, you know, swim and figure it out, then I'm willing to take the chance. And I was like, let's do it. Let's do it. So that I got the job there as an editorial director for entertainment and beauty and style. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so you're getting these different jobs. You got in with Danielle Smith. You got in with this other lady who was over digital at this other... iVillage. Yeah, at mm-hmm. iVillage. So how do, when you target these people, what is it that you're researching? Or how do they even come upon your radar? Hmm. Are you that in touch with your industry? Like, how do you find these people? Like, I think I... You know what I think is very important? Telling people what you want to do. A lot of us say, you know, I want to work at... Uh, 90.3 FM to ourselves, which is fine that it starts there. But then you need to start mentioning it to people around you in your circle, people you trust, people who have your back and who, even mm. if they can't necessarily get you, quote unquote, that job or whatever it is, you need to start putting that energy out there, not to sound too woo-woo, but that really is sort of how, uh, for example, iVillage came about. I started telling people, once I started seeing the industry changing and, you know, things at Vibe, I was like, okay, it's time to move and do something else after, I guess it was a couple years. I started telling my friends, hey, I'm looking for something in digital. I think that's what I want to do next. I want to find out what's going on with websites and that kind of thing. You know, I started talking about it. And then a friend of mine, Nataki, the same friend, mentioned that she used to work at AOL at the time. And her former coworker at AOL was at iVillage. Wow. And she was over, yeah, editor-in-chief or whatever her title was at iVillage over everything. Jenny Baird, her name is. Okay. Wonderful woman. Um, and I went in to meet with her. And actually, when I first met with her... I don't, I think we, she didn't have a position for me. So it wasn't an informational, but it was sort of a just meet her and get to talk to her about what I'm doing. And later someone there left and went somewhere else and she called me back and that's when I got the position. So again, you went in there, showed up and showed out. Even if you know, because sometimes we think, oh, I'm not going in if they're not going to offer me the job or if there's not even a chance I'm going to get the job, I'm not even going to meet that person. It's a waste of my time. There's a lot of times that opportunities come back around full circle when you go and just meet with someone, talk to someone, or tell people what you want to do. So um, that was just another one of those examples, like with Essence, at iVillage, even at Vibe. I didn't know if they were, you know, obviously if they were going to hire me or not, but I knew I talked to her and I present what I could do, the potential for it. And and sometimes people come up with other positions um, for you that, that, uh, that they make up positions for you, I should wow. say. Wow, that, yeah. that means you're really going in and there. Yeah, you present what uh, you can do and not, yeah. don't just go by, of course, go by what's on your resume. That's, mm-hmm. that's what people use as the base for what you've done. But mm-hmm. really, you want to show them who you are. Right. And what you feel like you can contribute for what they're doing. Because you have to fit into the team chemistry that's you, going on there, right? You have to fit into what's going there, but you also need to be able to come with some ideas. And which is what, yeah. So, for example, when I went to Vibe, I think, I don't want to tell a story. Somebody fact check me if I'm wrong. But um, I, when I went to Vibe, I believe I, pre- I created a uh, mock version of Vixen magazine just to show that this is what I would do at Vixen if I were working over there. I know for a fact, actually at Essence, I'll tell a story, when I was becoming going for the job for entertainment editor of Essence, they didn't think I could do it because I was too quiet or they thought I might be too quiet. Uh I'm an introvert, so yeah. (laughs) Um, Thought I might be too quiet. So I was great working, but you know, I'm not a loud and whatever person. Yeah, just, you know, sometimes, but not all the time. And especially at work, you're thinking, oh, I'm supposed to be poised at work. And then they're like, that poise, all that right there, that might not be right for this position because entertainment at that time and probably still I'm sure Corey Murray's the entertainment director now you have to go out and meet people and go to a lot of things by yourself and that kind of thing and be outgoing so I hadn't showed that within the office so I present I remember Monique Greenwood 
editor-in-chief at the time, still a very good friend and a mentor, she, I presented to them what I would do for the entertainment section. So at that time, you know, again, nothing fancy on the computer. It was literally cutting out magazine images and creating it on this paper and putting it in a binder. Made a collage? I really, it was really. That is. I found that recently. I know about you that. You should laugh at that because it's. <laughs> High five. In studio high five. You heard that? Exactly. You're trying to make it work. You got to do what you got to do. Find a way to make one. And you know what the thing is? What's funny is she was impressed by that because there was no expectation for even that. That's the thing we get caught up on too. Like, oh, this is janky. I'm not going to show this. But she wasn't even looking for that. She's kind of like, what did you do? You know, it was just to give an idea of effort of what I could do. And then I remember later on, once I became entertainment editor, she and I were sharing a car service home. This was really back in the good days. <laughs> sharing a car service home one night, and I had a pager, and I'm, like, texting all you these people. What? It's Oh, my God. So I a had what? a, I'm going to tell you, I had a sky pager. Do you know what that is? It's, like, mentioning, they're shaking their heads. Oh, my God. A sky It's mentioned pager. in, like, an old Jay-Z song or something. You can look it up. <laughs> we'll look, we're going to look all this up during the break. We're going to bring everybody, all these throwbacks. Anyway, looking up all this stuff or whatever, and she, Monique, said to me at that time, like, I can't believe that you were the same girl that was the quiet, shy, et cetera, who is now like, oh, I have Puffy's Sky Pager and Missy's information in here and da-da. It just, I just, but what I did, if I have time, I have time to tell what I did. Of course you got time to tell. Okay. We're here for you. I know, I'm talking so much now. We're listening to you literally, like, (laughs) tell us how you created your life in the media industry going from intern, well, business major (laughs) to English major to making collages and call centers (laughs) with Exxon and and all GE. Okay, so I, um... What I, um, <laughs> you make me lose my train of thought. Uh, what I did actually was, you know, it was difficult, I will say, to be in that position and go to all these events. Because, you know, it's, sometimes I would go with my friend April. That was my girl. We went to some okay, of Okay, April. Everything. Hey, April. Squad. Um, we went to some of everything. But there were times that you had to go by yourself. And then you'd have to go up to a celebrity and ask them about being in the magazine or talk to them or whatever. And it's uncomfortable because you don't know if they're going to reject you or tell you to go away. No one really did that. But, you know, it's just, it's just a tough thing. Yeah. Yeah, nobody, nobody did that to you. No, not me. Not. That's just people aren't most of the times that, that evil. But, uh, but what I had to do was create this other personality for myself okay. or this other person for my. And I tell people this, actually mentees that I work with now, when you go mm-hmm. into the, they're not saying no to me. It's this person who is the entertainment editor. You can even give her a name. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the Sasha fears before we all knew that. I'm not saying Beyonce got that from me. I'm just saying I totally relate that to you this. Gotta idea. Ego to, yeah, you have to, to have things done. Own, yeah, because you gotcha. know, if you're a person who, is, whatever it is, you just not, of course, still being yourself, like I said, being authentic. But don't be attached. But don't get attached, right. right. If they said no, all right, they said no. It's not me. It's this other person. And that could only be for today. It might not be for, you know, exactly. next week or another issue or something like going. that, right? You can't, you can't take version. it too, too personal because most times people don't mean it personally, okay. right? So you just create, if you need to, if, there, if you're a person who's shy or quote-unquote quiet, which there's so many studies now about how brilliant quiet people are, you should, <laughs> uh, you know, embrace that. But still, there might be positions that you want to get in where you have to be this other self. So, yeah. So even speaking in public, that's another thing, I'm, as you well, very well know, Kevin. Speaking in public, you sometimes have to create this other image of yourself in order to do something on stage or to engage people in a way that you might not normally do if you were just sitting quietly by yourself. Uh, There's a huge theme that you're actually speaking on continuously. I kept hearing the theme that you were getting a lot of these opportunities because of your friends. Right. And so that I always ask each guest that we have on the show, how important 
is peer group for you? What what is the value in that? I mean, you got all these opportunities at these different magazines. I mean, even through your cousin and things like that. Like how how has your peer group contributed to you? If you could tell us a little bit more about that, and then also, um, who does your peer group actually even consist consist of? Are they the same people from when you even began? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I think it's so important for us to surround ourselves with people who support us, uh, whether that's family, friends, mentors are important, coaches are important. Um, I always say one of my things is support is sexy. Um, and having it all doesn't mean doing it all alone. Ooh. And I'm actually um, pushing just sort of women especially, but men too, but women especially to have this um, just a mind shift around the idea of support. Uh, especially I, I found that women who make it to a certain point, you know, we have a certain level of success, whether it's in our business or our career, and it starts to become, for whatever reason, more difficult to ask for support because you feel like you should have whatever it is at this point or you should be able to figure whatever it is out on your own. And mm-hmm. then not to mention this whole theme um, um, overall about this idea of being self-made, uh, but really it's, it's um, really about the connections that you have with other people. So in my career, as we've talked about, I've just been fortunate to be, I've been fortunate, but then I've also been intentional about connecting with people. What you're targeting. Targeting. Uh, and stay connected. You know, when you have good relationships with people, um, it's, it, it helps you moving on, uh, down the line in your career because those people remember you. Um, so, for example, another friend of mine, Michelle Prelly, um, she and I worked together at, I think we started at iVillage, and then she moved to Brides.com, which is part of Connie Nast, and she called me and told me she had a position there. The first one wasn't the right one for me, and then she called me back again and told me about another position she had, which was the right one. So I was managing editor for Brides.com, too. And that was because I knew someone that I worked with before, and we had a great relationship, and she knew me and my work. Mm-hmm. So we had that support, and, and that was in 2008, I guess, maybe 2010. And since then, we've continued to support each other with different uh, positions and different things that we hear about. So to answer your question, I think it's imperative to surround yourself with people who support you, and then just your friends in general. Hey, look, this is what I'm trying to do. I mean, I even tell my friends, this is what I want to do. Hold this intention for me that this will happen, whatever that looks like. Say a prayer, you need to do a prayer circle, whatever you need to do. Just this is what I'm trying to do. Hold this for me that this is your, we're going to make this happen. And then I get support from them. Wow. So in being supported from your friends, how important is feedback? And do you take feedback from all your friends or are there certain people that you trust their opinions? Yeah, that's a great question because my closest girlfriends, um, none of them are entrepreneurs, actually. Well, there's one, uh, Ty, who's an entrepreneur, and Nicole. There's a few who are entrepreneurs, but (laughs) most of them, the ones from college I'm talking about mainly, they have great positions at, you know, huge companies and doing wonderful work. But my conversations with them are a little different than my conversations with someone who's also an entrepreneur, right. uh, which is part of the reason for Support is Sexy for Women Entrepreneurs um, to connect. So um, to answer your question, I have different, different conversations with different people. Now, I only listen to people I trust. So that's no Very matter important. what in general. Yes. If you start, in fact, if you start even feeling like someone doesn't have your best interests at heart, we used to say this to each other as girlfriends. Like when you're dating someone, you're like, girl, he does not mean you well. And that was, the key, that was the key to be like, that's over. He does mm. not, this person does not mean you well. Like, you have to mean me. It might not work out, 
whatever it is, but you have to mean me. You have to have my best interest at heart. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. So that was relationship-wise, so you remember that. Um, but um, <laughs> but uh, that was, then that was a code for us. When, we tell, when you tell one of us that, it means, okay, she really thinks this is like a dangerous situation or just not healthy for me. But anyway, as far as your friends in general, that's another thing, though, to think about when you're thinking about who you surround yourself with. I mean, I, I can't remember who said it, but someone said recently that you're the average of the five people you hang Absolutely. around. You've heard that, right? Absolutely. So if you hang around a bunch of uh, knuckleheads or you hang around a bunch of people who don't mean you well, or sometimes you know what else, too? Average. Like average or basic people. Super um, basic. And sometimes the basic people are your friends and your family, which mm-hmm. they, you know, there's room for them there. But then you need some amazing people in your life. In fact, I say you need people who are your peers at the same level as you are, mm-hmm. people who you mentor, who you bring along, um, and then people who are a few steps ahead of you. So you have something to aspire to, and they can give you some uh, insight and information about things that you want to do, right? Okay. So you've got this group of friends uh, who you've had, obviously, for a long time. Yeah. When new people come along, because, I mean, I'm sure after this interview, a lot of people are going to be trying <laughs> to find you on social media and say, I want you to be my mentor, especially those who are aspiring to be in media. How do you determine, this is my question to everybody that comes on the show, how do you determine who do you pick up the phone for, who you don't? You know, like if somebody texts you, how do you determine this person gets an immediate response or this person gets a you know, response in a couple of days? You know, I will say I'm pretty good at responding to everybody who reaches out, especially via social media, because it's such an easy way to interact with people. Mm-hmm. Um, few people, actually a lot of people probably have my phone number, but very few people call me to be mentor. Usually that's through, again, connection. Someone will right. say, oh, I talked to this person. I would really love for her to speak to you. That's usually how most mentees or people who I may even just have one call with, mm-hmm. um, I give them advice. So I don't really have to weed out people. Now, I will say what's funny, the other day, I did just get a text from a number I didn't know, and the person said, hi, it was late too, at night. Um, not a booty call, but it was, you know, late. Uh, he's like, oh, okay. the person, I don't know who the person was, unknown number. <laughs> Hi, Elaine, are you free at the moment? I have a question. Or I need some help with a project. It was just the most, just strange text. Now, that I did not respond to, <laughs> you know, because I, oh. I didn't know who it was. Right, I didn't right. know what it was about. The person didn't give any information. So I will say, and like I said, most people don't have my number. It might be someone that I know, but they didn't identify themselves and the number wasn't in my phone. Gotcha. But most people who reach out, I can make time for it. If it's not, it might not be go to coffee and do, because that does take a lot of time. And now with, we've talked about that. We've yes. talked about that. And Skype, you put me on to the, the benefits Absolutely. of using Skype. Save your time. Save your time. Yeah. And it's, time I mean, and it's more convenient for everyone. There's no Absolutely. commuting involved. You get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. You know, I only break bread with very, very few people. Very few. So, okay. So now, you know, one thing, one thing that you haven't had to, uh, had the opportunity to elaborate on today as of yet is, you are the CEO and founder of Chic Rebellion TV. I am. And having executive produced <laughs> uh, more than 300 web videos for brands, advertisers, and yes. for your own network. Yes. And you've done over a dozen original web series. Yes. Tell us about Chic Rebellion TV. Okay. Like, this sounds so, amazing. 
So having worked in media for so many years, you know, I'm very passionate about creating content for women of color. Um, I feel like we're often omitted from the conversation. Um, if not, our narratives are controlled by other people. And I think right. it's imperative that we control our own narratives. And I'm starting to see more and more of that in media, in music, and all of those things, which is fantastic. But it was 2012, and actually I remember I was watching a reality show at the time, um, one that I loved then but can't stand now. And the two, it was, it, was such a, it was such a great concept, but then there was a scene where the two girls started going at each other, and one tried to pull the other one's ear off and scratched her on her face. And there was, it was, I just could not believe it. And I literally turned the TV off and said, they hate us. When I was thinking about the network, so I was like, you have to, you, you, you have to hate a people when you show them in this way. Now, yes, those women were participating in that, et cetera, but it just really shifted something in me. It made me sick to my stomach, but it also shifted something in me that made me do feel like, okay, I don't like what I'm seeing. What am I going to do about it? And Chic Rebellion ended up being that thing that I wanted to do about it. So I created this online network. Um, it's video, web series, and film uh, featuring women of color and really just giving us a platform to showcase our work. And I wanted to create a space where all of that work was curated that people could come to and see a reflection of themselves. Wow. That is uh, phenomenal. And before... Uh, Chic Rebellion became all the way um, for, I mean, more gender specific, I guess I could say. Yeah. Is that safe to say? Yes. I actually had the opportunity. My series was actually featured on yes, Chic Rebellion was. at one point. You were the first and I think still the only man who's ever been on there. Oh, wow. That, <laughs> yes. That's an honor right there. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, the, the Create Your Life series, the video series, I believe it was the Japan series that yes, it was Japan. we had on uh, Chic Rebellion were, TV. Yes, that's right. At one time, so... And that, that actually, a- I will say that your series um, at the time really opened my mind, too, to doing things outside of the U.S. I mean, I had that idea of it being a global network, but just seeing you in Japan and sending these videos back of what you were doing at that time. Um, since then, I've had um, people from South Africa featured on the yes. site. Uh, just recently, a woman... Um, got in touch, Paige Benjamin, got in touch with me from Berlin. Yes. Because someone told her about the network in Berlin and her series, it's on uh, menswear and she creates men, original pieces for men. Uh, she doesn't, you know, tapes it herself, but she has that series from Berlin that's featured now on our site. So it just, there's such an opportunity. I think the web um, has certainly created a way for us all to get our work out there more and connect. And I'm, you know, excited about being a part of that. Wow. Chic Rebellion. I, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So you have Chic Rebellion, and Chic Rebellion is now doing a specific campaign to encourage yes. uh, to encourage collaboration. And so tell us more about the Support a Sexy campaign. Yeah. Like, that is so cool. <laughs> so cool. When you, told, when you first told me about the idea, I said, Support a Sexy. I was like, like, yes, Support a Sexy. Yeah. But and when you like, said that. women. You were like, oh. Yeah. I'm like, come on. Like, guys, we need support, too. Yeah, like, come on. Do. What I wonder what, um, I'll ask you, uh, what do men think about support? Is it easier for, someone asked me that recently, is it easier for men to ask their, you know, friends, et cetera, for support? Um, I don't know if it's a, it's a matter of being easy. I think it's a matter of humility more than anything. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, it depends on the, the difficulty of the task. Yeah. And if you know that it's something that you're going to need support with. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, okay. sometimes you might bite off more than you can chew and you might not know it at first. But yeah, it, difficult, 
I think it depends on the guy and where he's at. Like, right. I, I'm if you quick have too to much ego you. or or pride and you're afraid to say. Because I I've felt like um, with men that it, they see it more as a bonding, whereas women we see like I don't want to burden this other person with this ask or whatever. Or a it competition is. thing I've heard from know. some of my female friends that they don't ask. You need each some other different because. female friends. Uh, so there's that. Oh but, sorry. Um, um, <laughs> it's not. No, I don't think that's really uh, for much for me. They had said no, no, I understand. I understand. But well, you know what? I will say that's that's part of it. Competition in general, again, with social media, mm-hmm. as wonderful and brilliant as it is, we just all have these beautiful curated images and perfectly contoured and slick pictures of how wonderful life is. Mm-hmm. Who wants to go to that person and be like, so I need help? doing, you know, whatever it is, or, or you think I should be at whatever point. So that's a, a version of competition. The person who is determined to have things turn out the way that they want or that the way that they dream, yeah. i.e., the person that's determined to create their life is the person who's going to go and ask for support, Right. which would be that 22-year-old Elaine Fluker coming to New York, telling her friend, hey, I'm coming, right. I'll be there, hey, cousin, put me on with Essence. That's who's going to ask for that. So if there's anyone out here who's actually listening to the Create Your Life series uh, radio show right now, then that's actually who you are. And yeah, yeah, you need to be that person. And so since we're talking about how sexy support is, uh, I have to ask you, what are give us three tips that you would give to a person who wants to be in media and have a a outstanding career as you've had, you know, because we spoke earlier and I told you, I said, you know, I'm happy that you just pick up the phone for me when I call, (laughs) you know, sometimes (laughs) or or shoot a text to you. But in reality, 20 years, I mean, Kobe Bryant just wrapped up a 20 year career. I'm Kobe. Uh, Hey, (laughs) why not? But, you know, with support being sexy, you know, of course, hashtag support is sexy. That's right. But, uh, Give us three things that you would tell a young person who wants to have a career, you know, like yours in in media, 20-year career plus, 20-plus year. Okay. Uh, Three things that I would tell someone who wants to have a career in media. One, I would say figure out um, what you can contribute or who you are. Um, You know, trying to get into the business just because it's what everyone else does doesn't necessarily work or trying to do what everybody else is always doing mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily work. Not that you have to reinvent the wheel because there are some things that you know are what they are, editing, writing, et cetera. But what is your voice? What, do you, what are you going to contribute? How is it going to be different? Um, I think that's one thing, for example. Another is, um, you know, tenacity goes a far, a long way. So I've had people who have, for example, as you mentioned, trying to get in touch with me or that kind of thing. And maybe I might've missed an email or, you know, a message or something else, but the person continued to try to get in touch and, um, persistence, um, really, yeah, stands out. So, you know, you get, a friend of mine, um, Mark, one of the things he says, he's a visual artist, and I remember I told him about getting a rejection for a book that I sent in from an agent, and I was devastated. And um, he said <laughs> to me, no, it's just a part of the process. So for me, it just really resonated to, because you'll get no's in so many different places, with that, whether it's someplace you're applying for or something you're trying to create, or even me with Building Chic Rebellion. I mean, it's all a self-funded business, which is not easy, but it's because I received and receive a lot of no's but I'm creating my own yes I'm creating my life right and your own voice so yeah my own voice and I'm determined to do it so my advice would be to know that no is just a part of the process and to keep going Um, the third thing I will say you know 
have fun with whatever you're doing. Mm. We all take so much, so many things so seriously, Absolutely. and I think we forget to have fun. I had a lot of, especially at Essence, but everywhere really, I had a lot of fun when I was there. I really, Essence was one of my favorite places because I really came of age as a young woman there, um, and I was surrounded by these powerful, talented black women whose um, influence and whose teachings really I, I still use today. So have fun wherever you're going, you know, wherever you want to work or whatever you want to do, there's going to be struggle, hard times, et cetera, with the work you have to do. But try to remember the fun and remember your why, why you want to do it. Yes, absolutely. That why is very, 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 very important. Yeah. Now, being as as kind and genuine that you are, like, how did you stay Elaine, you know, throughout, you've had the opportunity, like some of the, some of the people who you've interviewed, I remember once you told me, um, I don't want to <laughs> you tell, but who have I, who have I interviewed? Oh my goodness. Um, let's see. Mary J. Blige, Lauren Hill, um, Diddy. And, yeah. I was about to say interviewed, yeah, interviewed you know, for, at, at bad boy. So yeah. you, how do you stay genuine and stay yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, when you have all these opportunities, are you around all of these different people and actually stay a wholesome young lady you know what I mean I think um awesome I think you're so uh, <laughs> I just think you're really really nice nice person yeah, you're surprised that I'm nice um because <laughs> you're from New York <laughs> I um uh, whatever <laughs> I you know I think it's because I come from really good people my parents are really grounded people they're from Alabama um so there's that bit of southern charm and southern flavor and um I just it's just Again, being who I am, it's just who I am. I just never, changing would have been too much work for me mm. to try to be something that I'm not. Um, it's, it's actually exhausting to try to be something that you're not. Now, as I talked about being that other person when you're doing a job, et cetera, that's for a limited time. But even after that, you have to recharge because all of that energy that it takes right, to do right. this other thing. So, um, so, yeah, I think just and making a decision to be grounded, a decision to be humble, making it be your intention to be kind to people. You just have to start from, from that place. Yeah. See, it's funny that you say that about, you know, being yourself. My mentor, uh, Marie Dunn-Brown, she always says yeah. life is a marathon. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't run, run this race trying to be someone else. So I definitely have to ask you, what, is, or what are some of the quotes that you, that you live by? Yeah. Is there one or two? or? Yeah, one that I actually have on my, um, I have a small altar at home, um, and it's from a card that a friend gave me. It's from Arthur Ashe, mm-hmm. and it says, um, start where you are. Actually, it starts that to be great. Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. Wow. Yeah, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. And I think um, as an entrepreneur, but really for anyone who is trying to create something, like me with my little collage, I had to start where I was, which was <laughs> scissors to a magazine and cutting out images. You know, a lot of us want to start from the top of whatever we want to do or whatever industry you want to be in, that kind of thing. As an entrepreneur, you want to start from the top. But start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. Okay. Well, Missy Lane Fluker, I have to tell you, thank you so much for being here and being a guest on the Create Your Life series. This is so fun. I hope it was helpful. Oh, of course it was helpful. I'm pretty sure we'll be getting a lot of feedback on this. So we'll probably end up having to have you back on the show so you can spread some more. I'll uh, tell you my Diddy story then. Knowledge and love. Yeah. Definitely (laughs) got to tell us about that Diddy story. And, and, you know, we got to get a little bit more into some of these experiences that you've had when you're on these private jets going to Paris and (laughs) all of these other things. But uh, thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you for being here. And uh, actually, in light of uh, the Support is Sexy campaign uh, that you're actually running, I want to also say that support is very sexy and that 
we at the Create Your Life series, we have had a a fundraiser going on for about a little over a month. Mm-hmm. And we have reached our goal. Yes, we have actually, yes, we exceeded have exceeded your goal. Yes, right? we have exceeded our goal. And we are now, we have passed, our goal was $2,000. We are past $2,200 yes. now. So in typical Create Your Life series, family uh, humbleness and, and support, I want to name the people who actually contributed to our campaign. I want to take the last couple minutes of, of the show and do that because I've watched people like yourself and, you know, one of my professors at Clark, Dennis Kimbrough, and had the opportunity to work for Les Brown and, and see and actually work for over seven self-made millionaires. But the thing that I, that I get and that resonates with me the most is, is that these people are so grounded no matter what level of success that they have and they're right. always willing to support someone else. And so us having reached this goal... You know, at first it was just a crazy idea, like, man, you know, we have these expenses that we need to cover in order to make the show successful, in order to have a a website so that people can come back and get the content. And, you know, I'm like, man, this stuff costs a lot. It's almost $2,000. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll ask. I guess I'll ask for support. support. Right. And so, you know, our conversations, you know, you talking about, you know, being successful doesn't mean doing it alone. And so I literally reached out to people and... I mean, I've spoken to people who I went to elementary with and haven't seen since elementary, and they dropped $100 on the campaign. Most people want to show up and support. I mean, but you would never know. So I have to to sit here and actually really, like, literally read this list. So, you know, um, and everyone, Create Your Life Series fan, for those who donated, truly, truly support, uh, appreciate you donating to us. So uh, Dustin Jackson... uh, Justine Riddick, Jasu Sims, Jonathan Cottle, uh, Sean Carswell, Kiana Brown, uh, James Crawford, Antoine Bathia, Justin Manning, Desmond Landers, Trey Evans, Tremaine Friend, Donnie Rogers, Khalil Harry, Donald Garner, Stacey Johnson, Michael Andrew, Estelle Lett, Kelly Richardson, Leroy Barr, Yashika Smith, Justin Chapman, Joshua Washington, Chris Bryce Bell, Carl Bowen, Samuel Hilliard, Anthony Clay, Jasmine Goodman, Shannon Taylor, Andrew Johnson, Michael Stewart, Cookie Johnson, Lavelle Patton, Julian Bob, Chris Alvarez, Paul James, a work hard, train harder, Leticia Donier, Lerone Sobrian, Tiffany Reeves, Sheikha Jones, Kimberly Jackson, Shafan Rollins, Elaine Fluker. Oh, support is sexy, isn't it? <laughs> Nathaniel Devertil, Courtney Simper, David Henderson, Myron Terry, Edison Kelly, Dustin Jackson. Again, his brother donated twice. <laughs> Ty LaForest, Shaman Walton, Rebecca Williams, Ashley Head, Jamila Tucker, Latif Ashkin, Kester Garraway, someone who was kind enough to just put FF for their name. <laughs> Thank you for your donation. Amy Lay. And Roma Williams. Thank you all for your contribution to the Create Your Life series. We are, my team and I are rejoiced and just more than humble and uh, happy to to be here and and be knowing that we're going to have a website and that this is going to be, this is going to be big. The Create Your Life series is going to be huge. So uh, thank you all. And of course, we are the Create Your Life series uh, here on this beautiful Sunday. Uh, from 5.30 to 6.30, you know, you can catch us. 
And we will be back. This is episode number seven. We'll be back next week. And thank you, Miss Elaine Fluker, for being here. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Create your life. Create your life. Crea tu vida. Thank you.